Rundown is a show where four Catholic men opine on current affairs of the world, on matters of faith, culture, and politics. It's unfiltered, it's daring, and it's certainly unapologetic. The Rundown is a weekly news show. But it's more than that. It's a family of like-minded Catholics who are preparing for the coming chastisement. We cover church news, politics, and current events around the world, linking them in a way no one else does, giving you the perspective no one else can. The Rundown is not meant for children because it informs and prepares parents, young adults, seminarians, even priests watch The Rundown to know about the most pressing and evolving threats to the Catholic faith today. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com
my divine nine family. <laughs> Welcome. <clears throat> Welcome one and all to the rundown. We are back again for another week. Joined by the one and only uh, our diversity, equity, and inclusion officer, Major Parrot. And uh, the one and only Father Mark. 
Hey, Ryan, you shaved. <laughs> I did. Oh. My face was naked. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's been a bit of an emotional week because it's five months now since my wife's passing. And I was just looking on the mirror on Monday. And so, you know, I basically kept it because she liked it. Since uh, she tapped out, she doesn't have the right to tell me to keep it any, anymore. So I'm like, you know what? Let's let's go with it for a while. See what it, yeah. see where we get. If she I may grow it back. You she liked it. That would be an edict from heaven. Now you'd have to you'd have to comply. We'll see. Um, <laughs> we'll see. I, I'm not sure yet what we're gonna do, but. <laughs> People are asking where James is. We don't know where James is. He might. <laughs> this is all his fault too. We moved from yesterday for for we him. We moved it for him. Seriously. Well, oh, we'll see. Anyway, um, this was a scene in Utah this week. <laughs> Hey, your shoulder tea. Yeah. Want me to do it? Nope. Four six nine. Are you still on that four corner? Well, actually, that wasn't in Utah, but that's what happens when you send the B team. Um, this is more what happens when you send the A team. This is the scene in uh, Provo, Utah, where a 75-year-old boomer was fed book boomer posting uh, various alleged threats to, to Biden and other officials. And the FBI decided to show up at 6 a.m. So there's, there's more to that story. Um, it, it's a strange story. I don't believe that we have all the facts. I don't believe we will get the facts. So the man was shot and killed during the uh, the raid, the 6 a.m. raid. Um, I don't know what you know what to think of this. So based on the news reporting and the threats this guy supposedly put out on Fedbook, um, it seems like you know at least if those are genuine, then you know he really you know. It's kind of a, you know, a mess around and find out type of situation. But I don't know. And so I was going to hand it over to you guys. The facts, as far as I know them, is that the, the government is saying that he put various threats on Facebook and, and social media uh, talking about what happened. I won't say it in case the algorithm picks us up and I get a raid over here at six in the morning. But basically saying, you know, well, wouldn't it be nice if um, the president were taken out and then alludes to somebody with a sniper rifle the man owns several of course it, it's almost too perfect he owns all these ar-15s he owns sniper rifles he owns you know various boom booms and he uh you know does pictures with them and um i don't know it seems to me the smart thing for the fbi to do since the guy is 75 
is just send a couple agents around at two in the afternoon, try to ascertain if the guy is really a threat and just boomer posting, and then just cite him for disorderly conduct or something like that. Let it go. Keep a surveillance just in case. Not get a raid at six in the morning. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Well, uh, I, I can't help but comment on that breaching technique uh, there uh, in, in the uh, I think that was Memphis or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if your county sheriff can't breach your standard uh, metal door that you buy for ninety nine dollars at Menards, um, I don't know what the world's coming to. Uh, we had plenty of breaching techniques uh, that we that we employed in the Marine Corps. Uh, whatever that guy was doing was not one of them. Um, so I guess you can back the blue. I was told if we just divorce from DC and we go back to our counties that everything would be all right. Um, I'm not so sure that that's actually a plausible solution here. It's oftentimes, or at least it was our experience during the COVID-1984 uh, debacle that, um, you know, that, that, that it was your county level employees. It was your county level uh, a, a, unelected officials of, of whatever variety that told you which grocery stores to go to, which mass to go to, et cetera. So I'm not entirely convinced that merely just uh, proclaiming divorce from D.C. Um, on, on YouTube, but then, you know, kind of just living your standard American lifestyle is going to do anything. We're going to have to go a little bit further. I think we're going to have to take one step further as for the guy boomer posting. First of all, I have refrained from saying the B word on this podcast ever since, you know, a couple, uh, members of that generation have emailed me and said, Hey, could you please not say it? So I have to couch my words carefully because Sorry, everyone, because boomer, no, don't be, don't be. Boomerism is a way of life. It is a, it is a thought process, much more so than an age. You know, you can have a boomer take and be 19 years old. In fact, some of my 19 year old employees do sometimes have boomer takes, and I call them out on it. So it's, it, it, it's not something that means that you're, you know, 70 years old or whatever. Now, a 75 year old guy posting memes on, on Facebook or whatever, should he be arrested? Um, well, that depends on how seriously you take the alleged freedom of speech that we have in these United States, which I would argue that no one actually does believe in freedom of speech. Nobody, literally zero people on planet Earth believe truly in freedom of speech. There's speech that you don't like and you don't want to hear it and you would gladly use the force of government to shut it down, as would I, as would everyone who all the bra burners in Berkeley would shut down right wing speech if they could and use the lethal force of government to do that. So the idea that there is freedom of speech or ought to be is just a laughable idea that hopefully, I don't know, maybe father has a, a thing on it. But um, just but just finally um, on fake Catholic usurper in chief Joe Biden. Yeah, he should be killed. He should be hung for treason. Um, I think there should be some form of due process. I'm not advocating for uh, vigilante violence. And I know the FBI is watching Wait, this right now. The algorithm's already got it. <laughs> yeah, right? No, yeah, yeah, that part will be cut. Um, I, Good thing I, all I your boom booms went down in a boot. For the, for the feds who are watching, I am not saying that some vigilante should take him out, but he deserves the death penalty. He deserves to die. He deserves to die for the, tr for the crimes of high treason, betraying the United States. Uh, selling us out to China, uh, his corrupt business dealings, uh, lying to the people. Uh, and it goes on and on and on and on, um, let alone how he even made it to the White House, which is in, it, in itself something that we can't even question on this platform. So as I look at it, 
I don't disagree with the boomer memes. I think the boomer memes about someone taking him out or whatever, I, I'm fine with that. In fact, shoot, let it, let it happen and let's see what happens in this country. I want to see it. I want to see the Constitution kick in in this country. Oh, sorry. Looking at the wrong screen. I was looking at YouTube instead of our stream yard. Uh, oh, wait, that's right. Uh, so, Father, just to preface it again, I, I should find and put them up, uh, put up the, the, the screens of the, this guy's threats because I don't want to read them. Let's oh, the right, algorithm right. pick it up for me. But, um, it, you know, it, to me, it almost looks it's almost looks too perfect and not everything's a conspiracy. I know. But it's just it's almost too perfect. The guy owns, uh, you know, ARs. He owns, um, you know, a rifle that could be classed as a sniper rifle, I guess he. You know, and then, you know, talks about these kind of crypt, not not so very cryptic, uh, be a shame if uh, some sniper did X or Y in, in these threats. Kind of, I don't know, it seems to me not surprising the feds, as uh, Biden is going to show up in Utah, it's not surprising the feds would at least check the guy out. Because, I mean, if, you know, if it did happen and you didn't check out that threat. It would be on your head in, in, once they, they figured it out that, hey, wait a minute, you had intel and you didn't do anything about it. So it kind of makes sense they'd at least send somebody around. What about a raid? Or maybe that's overreacting too and they shouldn't even bother with it. I don't know. You, you tell me. No, you're right. But also one, one important detail is this guy couldn't even walk. He, he walked with a limp and he walked with a cane. And so it's not like he could run anywhere either or was actually physically fit to be like a – an El Catorce from, you know, for greater glory or anything where he just takes out everybody. This guy uh, was not physically fit. He obviously had some sort of, uh, well, anger issue, so to speak. But in terms of freedom of speech as well, I mean, freedom of speech really, I guess the way we all colloquially mean it is the freedom to criticize the government um, without being executed for it. And so this is just kind of case in point where that doesn't necessarily exist because if you criticize the government, and you own, and you uh, take advantage of your Second Amendment, you're obviously higher of a threat, supposedly to these these three letter agencies, um, simply because you're 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 abiding by your rights. And so those who are law abiding citizens who abide by their rights, um, yeah, there seems a threat a threat to democracy, um, living under democracy. Um, but you're, but you're right in that there was definitely a lot of ways that they could have handled this this better. I mean, it's not been released whether or not even even the individual was holding a gun. Um, it was just that he was shot, and so there's gonna have to be some sort of body cam or something for the people to or for the uh, higher ups supposedly the investigation because I guess there's an investigation on whether or not this was um, the raid was done properly all that kind of stuff and whether or not it is it was indeed um, lawful because otherwise I mean it's just like a a normal unlawful police shooting that you hear the uh, the African American community constantly saying goes on against against their group of people. So we'll see. Yeah, it could very well be. I'm not sure. Um, it, there's just a lot of things about this case that have uh, my spidey senses tingling, as it were. Uh, part <laughs> particularly, <laughs> um, it, it, just so much of it's just too perfect the way it's laid out. Oh, I know. Um, like and then you look at the fact that his neighbors say he, he has to walk with a cane and he's supposedly 300 pounds. Uh, okay. Some of the pictures on Facebook, uh, he's a tall guy sta standing over his refrigerator. I don't think he's 300 pounds, maybe 260, 270. It doesn't look quite that big, but it's just the same. Um, you know, they do show pictures of him like sporting his guns on, on Fedbook. 
um, it's not impossible for them to backdate. Nobody knew this guy was all they can backdate this stuff because they created those platforms, um, you know, Facebook and whatnot. They they could put all that stuff up there after the fact and then release that to people. Oh, wow. But because the neighbors are like, well, he, he walked with a cane and, um, you know, breathes heavily. Yeah, he was kind of nutty, but, um, you know, so on and so forth. I we got a special guest here. He wants to get in on this. I, I feel like we, right. you know we, we don't have enough we don't have enough uh, uh, clericalism on the show. Father Gerke, how are you, yeah. sir? Doing well. Thanks for having me. So, uh, so are 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 you okay with the Boomer posts, or do you think that's federal crime, or would you like to see Biden taken out? I mean, I I don't know if I can ask that third question. You don't have to answer that if you don't want to. Well, I mean, Boomer posts set aside. It's. Uh you got to be able to take the hits if you're going to be able to dish them out. So I don't know when boomers became snowflakes, but I guess we'll cross that bridge and unpack that here. Um, I mean, of course, if we were any type of right-minded government, our elected officials would be held accountable for their crimes against this uh, civilization. But, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Well, there's that. Sorry, I was smoking. <laughs> <laughs> and good on you for so doing. <laughs> I just actually had a cigar. I was I was listening to you guys. I was outside uh, having a cigar in the backyard. I can't smoke in my mom's house, um, but I had a nice cigar prior to the show. Excellent. So um, let's see. Here's one more. This one's interesting. I just simply titled it when I downloaded it back the blue UK version. So this is an incident where just for the context, a 16 year old girl with autism you know, is disabled. Um, you know, she's not like some major conservative, uh, you know, figure or anything like that. Her grandma is a lesbian and in a lesbian relationship. So she happened to see an officer during, I don't know what altercation, and said, oh, hey, uh, she looks like a lesbian because she meant to say looks like her Nana as what she was trying to do. And the cops flipped out and arrested her for homophobic comments. So here's back the blue UK version. Sound will come on in a second here. She's oh, made a comment in her own house. We've got her own camera. She hasn't said anything to you. Don't matter. She never got matter. She's getting arrested. Oh, she's she's getting arrested. Getting arrested. Getting arrested. She's getting arrested. Why are you doing it? Yuna's coming. Don't worry. She hasn't done anything. She's autistic. I don't care. She's autistic and don't arrest her. I'm telling you, I've got Yuna's coming. She's going to be arrested tonight. I'm waiting until she's coming. I'll like explain what happened. If I get She's in a cupboard. She can't go anywhere. She can't go anywhere. Stand there, dear. They're going to remove her for what? With your woman? Then she said the word lesbian. Her nana is a lesbian. She's married to a woman. She's not on the phone. Look what you're clenching your face. Go away from my teenage daughter. What is up with you? There is something wrong with you, mate. And she didn't aim it at the police officer. It's not a homophobic remark. She said, I think she's a lesbian, like like Nana. If you want to bully people, okay, you'll, just, you'll just get one of them badges there. That's what you do. Yeah, exactly. Where'd it go? 
She's autistic, she don't like people touching her. Right. She will have a meltdown. She won't come out, she's got autism, I'm well, Lisa. Her, so she can come out. Because we're trying not to do this, aren't we? We've been trying for a long time. But she hasn't done nothing wrong. That officer out there has assaulted me for no reason. That. She's got autism. She's autistic, man. They sure is. If an officer decides to arrest her, they won't. She got arrested. They brought her home. No, but she was going upstairs and she made a comment to me, and that officer ran in my house and assaulted me and tried to get to my daughter for no. If you want to make a complaint about anyway, that's fine. I am going to. I am going to. Yeah, because it is on, and she has. She 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 was full of rage, and she ran in the house and she barged me into this. Sorry about that, I had a co-host come out, but um Anyway, here is, let me do this. So, so this horrible thing, while they're pinning this autistic girl to the ground and, you know, doing this, this woman. What did she do? The instigating cop is watching like this. So she basically commented, the girl merely commented, she looks like a lesbian. She's autistic. Context doesn't you know, you know, the social awareness, the context, it doesn't, you know, they're just not taking account of it. They can't. And so what's happening instead is, you know, she just says something and this woman who, well, fits the bill, frankly, she freaks out, gets her thug buddies in blue to come and arrest this, this 16 year old girl. And they're, they're doubling down on this, too. This particular police department in the UK is doubling down on it as if they did this great public service. Um, and, and this is her look when she's looking at it. And don't forget, lesbians are what lesbian couples anyway, if you want to call them that, are the highest source of domestic abuse calls <clears throat> of all of all the stats on domestic abuse calls because they can't take the slightest appearance of a front. And and this woman hides under the blue, to to do all that. So her her alleged crime was just saying, "Hey, you look like a lesbian," or telling her mom she looks like a lesbian because it's in her association. It's she looked like her nana, <laughs> who is a lesbian. Yeah, right. Okay, yes. got it. Uh, wow. Okay, so back to blue. Um, in this. Okay. Uh, let me let me jump in. The this this religion. Uh, is not to be mocked. And the, the crime that this autistic uh, woman committed was uh, merely saying something that is true. Look at this woman. She does look like a dyke. Um, I'm sure she is one. And if she's not, I mean, why, why is she even a cop? Why does she have the dyke haircut? Why, you know, why is this her career? Uh, why, why is she behaving this way? So that's probably, that's probably uh, all true. Therefore, uh, speaking the truth uh, is a uh, is a, a an act of heresy, unforgivable. It's a it's a affront to the quote unquote Holy Ghost, which uh, of of the new religion, which uh, you know is the spirit of of, of um, individualism and and the war on reality. Um, this is an interesting case. 
I looked at this yesterday. This kind of blew up on social media. Pictures of this woman went viral. Um, hopefully her life will change. But it won't. It won't because it doesn't matter if you're autistic or not. It doesn't matter if you have a disability or not. See, well, here's the thing about autists. Uh, which, number one, they can't be ordained priests because it's an invalid ordination. But number two, um, the thing about autists is that they just have a tendency to speak their minds. There's no sugar coating. And so autists will be, I think, some of the first to go to the camps. Um, I might be on the spectrum, too, because I also have that same thing. I don't think I'm autistic, but I just say what I think uh, most of the time. And she That's looks like a Marine. And she looks like a dyke. Yeah, that, I mean, and she is. She probably is. She's a carpet muncher. And so as a result of saying that, I can't say that in the UK, but possibly in some other country, uh, I could say that. I don't think I can say that for long in these United States. So again, this goes back to the idea of free speech and whether or not we actually do have free speech. I think Father Martin made a great point. The whole purpose of free speech as enshrined in the First Amendment of the Constitution is to criticize her, the government, that dyke right there. That's the purpose of free speech. The purpose of free speech isn't to blaspheme. That's what the left think, thinks the purpose of free speech is for. The purpose of free speech is to criticize those people who rule us. And if we can't do that, we don't have freedom of speech. Well, precisely. Um, let's see. Forgive me, Father. I don't know the proper way to to pronounce your name. Is it uh, with a hard G or a soft G? A uh, hard G, Gurky. Gurky, <clears throat> Father Gurky, uh, you weigh in here. What, what you see all this going on? What, what do you? What are your thoughts? I mean, whatever. It's. Uh, I mean, my kid, at the best. Um, I mean, and obviously Father Martin with the, the whole purpose of freedom of speech. You know, and I, I know a lot of autistic people and in my secular world uh, profession, we get special training to deal with autistic people because they are not able to comprehend in high stress situations as easily as regular people are. And you need to take an account for that. And I think these officers did the worst job possible um, in handling the situation. And we need to pray for the the person involved and, and these officers that they may see their errors and repent of their errors because just because you make a comment and it just happens to be true and because this person who has a same-sex relationship uh, gets offended by that well now you're offended because they call you what you are i i just don't get like we we, we can't even say the truth in an erroneous situation anymore we can't even it, it just completely boggles my mind um and you know the uk is always a little bit ahead of us so you know here in these united states um that's just right around the corner where we're going to be censored for this you can't call a spade a spade and arrested for it. I mean, you just look in her face how absolutely vindictive this woman is over, again, over what? Um, she seems to have called it accurately, but she decided she was, she decided she was going to take it as an offensive comment without looking at the circumstances of the individual. And, and even if they did, well, so what? 
you let it roll well, and uh, normal people you need to get insulted say oh yeah have fun with that uh but again because these people it is disordered it's not a gift from god it is not good uh you know it is something that is disordered and even in those who are striving to to live a good catholic life that have the struggle with it with same-sex attraction you know it, it's still a disorder they have to overcome and they know that if they're trying to live a good catholic life but you know it tingle it, it, it disorders the emotions and you have this almost like this inability it seems to me to to be able to to, to suffer like the, the slightest bit of you know anything that takes away from pride and ego because what is the chief mark of these types of disorders well it's, it's actually narcissism mm -hmm. right very much and then here's the other thing i don't know about the united kingdom but i know here in the united states if we're going to be arresting people for this where are we going to put them our jails are already full <laughs> Our jails are already brimming out. I mean, they're arresting people for the silliest stuff now. I mean, if you have this to it, where are they going to put them? I mean, the former mayor in Chicago, where I currently am uh, residing, um, you know, she said, you know, for the dumbest offenses of not wearing a mask during the whole scandemic, you know, she said, we're going to find you, we're going to arrest you, and we're going to throw you in jail. But we can't put them in jail because our jails are full. Where are we going to put them? Well, they'll just let all the pedos out of jail. Uh, on good behavior to make room for all of the uh, non-compliance. You know, one other thing on this autist, um, I am certain, I am morally certain, I don't even have to know the facts, I am morally certain that she is up to date on all of her inoculations. Don't know if there's a correlation between the fact that she is an autistic woman and the fact that, I have no idea, but I know for sure she is jabbed to the hilt, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, this I thought they didn't like getting jabbed. Uh, well, yeah, well, I, I was just saying, <laughs> you know, that when she was a young, a young baby girl, I'm certain that she was uh, quintuple jabbed. I couldn't say. Just saying, Ryan, so, cut out, Father Martin. You got to jump in on this. I mean, you pretty much <laughs> hit a home run with the, yeah, just, I mean, what she looked like and the photo says it all in her face. Um, she's vindictive. She wants to express her authority. I mean, the narcissism, there's, there's a power hungriness is a, a desire to lord it over people. Um, but it also goes to show the state of the, the government. I mean, the UK, large, large, largely secular uh, society. And so it's very hard for people to make an appeal to religion or to God or anything of the sort anymore, because, uh, rights are those privileges that the government has decided to award you. Therefore, rights can be taken away. They can be reinterpreted. There's no basis in actual reality. Rights are simply a, a human invention, a human creation, just out of thin air. And so with that much flexibility or malleability, changeability, no, nothing you know, it doesn't rest on anything solid there's nothing for anybody in that society to appeal to whenever they say you're taking away my rights well no actually you might be referring to something called freedom of speech but the definition changed so now we're enforcing the new definition you are trying to appeal to the old definition but that doesn't exist anymore and so the, the government always wins because the government's always right yeah. the government can never be wrong because it controls the definitions um, and so that's the kind of society um, the English have decided to live in 
and Godspeed. You know, just one other thing. Sorry, I keep inter- interjecting, but uh, this goes back to the discussion that we've been having on on an ongoing basis here on the rundown. I've talked about it on the Crusade channel, crusadechannel.com slash parrot. Uh, my interview with Kieran Tapsell, you know, this idea that there is an, in, a reduced uh, uh, culpability for your crimes if you suffer from a mental disorder. Now, if this young, if this autistic person were looking at kiddie porn or touching kids, you know, the, 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 the Catholic Church would be the first to say, well, she's not fully culpable for what she's doing, you know, because she has a disorder of some kind. It's a mental disorder. It's not a, it's not a criminal act. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's my point. Um, and, and even the government would show some kind of leniency, but there is no mercy when it comes to the radical uh, gender rainbow agenda. There's no mercy for anyone, not, not even the autists, not, neither a toddler nor a geriatric uh, or anybody in between or anyone on the spectrum will be able to speak the truth when it comes to that. You can, you can download kitty porn and the Catholic Church will retain you as a priest because, well, you know, it's a mental thing. Uh, it's not a criminal thing. You know, you have reduced culpability. That's what canon law says. That's what it said in 19. That's what it has said ever since uh, basically 1919 or 1921. It's said that for the last hundred years. Francis hasn't fixed it. That is operationally how the church behaves. And so goes the church. So goes the world. So she could, she would have been better off. This autistic woman would have been better off molesting children than to call that dyke a dyke because uh, she would have been shown leniency and mercy on account of her mental disorder, but not when it comes to this. Ryan, and there is, yeah, there is. (laughs) Yeah, I, I pressed the mute button, but it didn't go through right to unmute it anyway. Um, there is something to be said in jurisprudence for taking account of the circumstances of a situation, taking account of the circumstances of the individual in terms of mitigating circumstances, in terms of like defining a, res, a, res, uh, a mens rea, sorry, a guilty mind, right? It, it literally, you know, that, that you had bad intent or malice. And, you know, like, for example, we go to the debate about whether women who... Uh, procure abortion for their unborn children and murder their unborn children should they go to jail well come on think about this if abortion is murder and they just committed murder yes they should but at the same time that doesn't mean you can't apply you know circumstances like was she beaten and raped every day and then forced at gunpoint by her boyfriend to go to the abortion clinic was she you know is she psychologically damaged and forced to go in there and it wasn't a real choice or is it like this gal who wanted to go to prom and not not uh, have stretch or not whatever and just not to be dealing with the baby and then committed infanticide. Um, You know, and in the latter case, she should get the death penalty. Uh, A woman who says, well, I, I, I don't want my beach body to suffer. So gets an abortion that gets the death penalty. Come on. You murdered your baby for the sake of your beach body. Um, But again, that former case, I, I, I kind of said, you know, someone who's beaten, raped by her boyfriend every day, and then is put at the point of a gun to go to the abortion clinic you apply the law differently to her than you do to the girl who just wants her beach body. And, Mm -hmm. and that, and that's in jurisprudence generally, you know, in terms of looking at the mitigating circumstances of the individual. And, you know, so that's a legitimate thing there, but then, but again, that's applied within reason. 
do these actually mitigate the circumstances and the culpability and do they not? So like trying to define generally somebody has got an addiction. Well, th guess what? That doesn't work for a drunk driver, an alcoholic who uh, gets behind the wheel and kills someone. Guess what? He's going to jail for involuntary manslaughter. It doesn't matter in jurisprudence whether he was addicted, whether he had a problem, whether, you know, he was just a, he had a tough day and just lost it and just drank half two thirds of a bottle and then got behind the wheel and not even thinking about it, no intention to kill anybody and then killed someone. It doesn't matter. He's going to jail for involuntary manslaughter and, and, and he should too, actually. And so you take that and it's like you know, it's the same principle with, for example, the, the crimes of uh, kitty porn and things like you were talking about in, in that interview with uh, um, that, that fellow uh, Kiernan or mm -hmm. Kieran Tapsel. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, and that's yeah, it's the same type of parallel. It yeah. doesn't matter that you're addicted to this garbage and this utter filth and you're doing it, that doesn't mitigate that you are actively choosing to do something that is so evil and so bad that you absolutely need to be removed, period. And, and really put on an island somewhere and forced to hard labor. And if you've actually raped a child, given the death penalty, um, that's just the way that is the way it should work. It doesn't matter that because the circumstances in that case, that that kind of addiction, addiction is not the same as something that completely because I mean, you have other choices that lead up to it. The action is foreseen. It's not an unforeseen occurrence. Um, you know, for an alcoholic, uh, touching the drink, everything that you could possibly do while drunk is a foreseen occurrence at that point. If you are an alcoholic and you know that you're an alcoholic versus somebody who is, well, you know, you know, habits in regard to sobriety and, um, you know, normally knows the, the, you know, what kind of drink and, and, and misjudged it on one time, then the effects are a bit unforeseen. But if he gets behind the wheel and kills somebody, he's still going to go to jail for, you know, for manslaughter. Right. And so it, it's, um, you know, there are a lot of gray areas to navigate through, but the fact that you have some addiction does not mitigate your culpability the way it does, you know, the way a certain, Stance, uh, as a serious handicap disorder or physical uh, impediment that inhibits your free ability, your ability to freely choose. Anyway, I have Father Father Martin, Father Gerke, if you want to weigh in on any of those those points, I, I monologue for a bit there. I yield the floor. <laughs> Somebody take the ball. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know how to even begin on that because, I mean, everything's true. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> I think my bishop might get a little bit hurt being from uh, Belfast. So talking about alcoholism or, or alcohol uh, libation and enjoyment, I got to be careful. So I don't get uh, upset with my superiors on that. <laughs> Fair enough, Father Martin. You have to remind what we were talking about again. You you rambled on a little bit there. What was the original topic? <laughs> I think the question is whether or not. I mean, the question is why why are there two standards of justice? There's a standard of justice for okay reduced imputability for you know for the one thing, but then if you insult a a, a gay woman, well, there's no there are no mercy for you, no mitigating circumstances. 
Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's a cop out. It's a, it's a way to abuse uh, the interpretation of law uh, to one's own advantage. I mean, this whole idea of diminished culpability, it's a real thing, but people use it as an excuse to eliminate culpability. Um, of course, when one even says a diminished culpability, there's no accurate measurement to uh, exactly define how <laughs> diminished it has been to where it's thirty-seven uh, percent diminished. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So, in in a case where there's diminished, you understand that there's a re, there's something that that might have affected their will in such a way that if that circumstance wasn't there, they most likely would have chosen something different. Um, but most people, when they say diminished culpability, they really, really mean basically to the point of being eliminated, if not eliminated. And so it be, it becomes a cop out. Um, so that's really what how, how they're they're manipulating both legally and i mean sometimes even in uh, morality as well is um trying to trying to use it to get a, a free pass so uh yeah i think that's the reason is is they've found something they could use the lost creole oh. says at this time the only sane brit is bishop williamson <laughs> <laughs> i might so, i might know one or two others but that's pretty much true and i think i got an answer um, about the justice system, why is there why is there this differences? The justice system is gay. Yeah, it is. Well, you know that's what the American yeah. Empire spreads. We're that's the global ho- global homo empire. Global homo is taking over. Global homo is the world religion, and it is the creed that everybody uh, must subscribe to under under the the threat of the sword. And, um, and, and to which clerics uh, outside, except for those on this podcast and, and, and a handful of others, to whom do we have recourse really, you know, who's going to stand against global homo, even those who are in full communion, um, or who place themselves under the obedience of the bishop of the diocese cooperate with global homo because the vatican II religion is the global homo religion um you know so it's like how do we how do we appreciate the old I, and I, i'm not taking over the show i'm sorry ryan but i i'm just i'm just i'm just dovetailing off of what no, father just yeah said, which yeah, is do that, it you know look i mean as i look at it it's like well you know the the novus ordo is gay i look at it it is gay it is gay friendly everything is gay it's felt banners it's tambourines uh it's women on the altar it is it is run by a bunch of homosexualists and and there's there's no other way to say it. I mean, it's just it's weak. It's for weak, effeminate men who are who are the gay ones, um, you know, and, it, and it's 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 intolerable. And the fact that the longer it exists, the, the, the wider the gulf becomes. And so to my friends out there who are listening to the rundown, um, either here on the rundown YouTube channel or on Crusade Max and the Crusade channel, crusadechannel.com slash parrot, you are. You know, many of us don't have a Father Gerke or Father Martin or a Bishop Williamson or whatever in our lives. We have to go wherever. Some of you are at traditional masses in your diocese. Some of you are at the FSSP. Some are at the SSPX. Some are at the Resistance. Some are SETI. Um, I'm friends with all of y'all, by the way. I love all of y'all. But however, comma, pause for effect. We cannot cooperate with Global Homo. And it just has to be said, the Novus Ordo is Global Homo. Um, and so to the extent anybody cooperates with it, we have to have that bright line, even if we're somehow connected to it. You're at the Institute of Christ King, love the lace, love the smells, love the bells, love all of it. I do. I love the Institute of Christ King. I'm not cooperating with global homo though. Not going to do it. 
No, and you shouldn't, especially in this country. Of course, we lock up more of our population than any other country on the earth, including China and North Korea. More of a percentage of our population is in jail than in China or in North Korea. And that you should stop. Is that a real a stat? It's a real stat. That's, that's um, remarkable. Yeah, percentage-wise. I have no idea numbers-wise, especially as China has a billion more people than we do, and they got camps. We're building camps. We don't have anyone in them yet, necessarily. Uh, maybe we do, for all I know. But uh, the ultimately, we are in this situation where incarceration has been used as the tool to solve problems that that way the politicians don't have to solve the root causes. Oh, like drugs, for example, the war on drugs is such an abject failure. I am not in favor of legalizing drugs per se, uh, because again, even my anarchism, I just use the word to get attention because it really, it's, it's not anarchy and there is governance that still happens in the kind of what I predicate, but you know, the whole libertarian argument, oh yeah, just let everyone do what they want. Well, that's actually destructive to society to let people use all these, all these uh, narcotics that are not good. And, but on the other hand, that doesn't mean that the right response is to throw everybody in jail or to make you put them in the justice system, make them plea down because of the ounce of some plant. Um, you run into so many problems that way and you usually create worse criminals. You make it so they're less employable. And then you look at the white collar crime, nonviolent crimes for which people go to jail. Um, you know, it really the, the justice system should run by just very simple standard. Um, incarceration is exceedingly rare for a long period of time. Uh, you have violent crimes like murder, rape, and uh, you know, pedophilia, uh, pe actual pedophilic accident against a child. Probably, ch frankly, real legitimate use of child porn, too, uh, should get the death penalty. And then, you know, you various, I mean, armed robbery, death penalty. Um, general robbery, restitution, you know, time in the stocks, public flogging. Um, you know, the same thing for very serious offenses that are, you know, white collar crime type of things, you know, go in the stocks, gets hit with rotten fruit for a week, um, stand on a street corner. I defrauded so many people of their retirement and stand on busy street corners, showing this to everybody with your face and having to stand there, get mm. pelted with rotten vegetables and whatever, um, you, or get publicly caned. You make a great point. Actually, you just triggered a memory. I, I would love to get the father's uh, uh, reaction to this. I had the occasion last fall to uh, sit right next to Father James Altman at a dinner, and he was telling me that in not too distant past, if you killed a man's horse, you that well, that was a capital crime, and you should be put to death because you have deprived a man from providing for himself and providing for his family. And the principle is that those who deprive people of the of the tools and means to provide for themselves and provide for their families deserve the death penalty. Now, if you extrapolate that principle to that woke cancel culture lesbian, she is depriving people of their freedoms, their, their right, their rights, their economic liberties, their ability to provide for themselves and provide for their families. The cancel culture in general, people who dox like cheese Dale, for example, people who dox people, People who go after people and try to cancel them, people who get them fired from their jobs, like like speaking of global homo uh, Gary Voris, um, those people deserve literally the death penalty because that is exactly what the principle is. And I heard it from from Altman's mouth. I don't know, fathers. I don't know what you think about that. Would it would it be uncouth to contradict the father Altman? 
on live on the rundown. I mean, can anybody get away with contradicting the Father Altman, the the face of uh, a huge movement these days about uh, going against, you know, everything. <laughs> You know, I, I mean, say what you will about the man, but uh, I, I think the principle is is the same and it's true. I mean, if you if you go out of your way to prevent a father from feeding his children it's true. merely because you don't like the guy, that in, in it, a just society, that's capital crime. It, 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 cer- it certainly merits something equal. Um, but the well, thing is, at, at, at a certain point, you have to ask, okay, so what qualifies as de- depriving someone of their livelihood so, so to speak if someone if all your your work for instance is on the internet if someone comes in and take uh takes your computer and obviously my bank account i have enough means to buy another one um does that constitute depriving me of my my job my living all that kind of stuff simply because my computer's gone um i think a horse back in the day was a lot more than simply a computer i mean can you imagine that someone taking the getting the death penalty for just stealing a, a laptop so I think um, there, there's a, there's a lot more to what Father <clears throat> Alton was saying than what he actually said. Never, nevertheless, if, for instance, there's a huge defamation campaign against someone to where not only did someone deprive you of the current profession that you had, the current employment that you had, but intended to deprive you of any future em- employment, then you're not just attempting to get someone to lose just their current job but from having any employment at all of mm. course that's a lot different than uh coming in breaking into someone's house and just stealing their laptop right so there's there is i think some level of proportionality to uh, a defamation uh case um with something like killing a horse and uh to pick up on that i think you know when we're looking at one's livelihood um, wouldn't that include the spiritual livelihood, the livelihood of one's soul? So Father Altman, just, you know, using your own position, um, offering the novice Odo being ordained in global homo, uh, and watering down the faith to those souls entrusted to your care and possibly damning them or, uh, having them spend more time in purgatory than maybe God intended because you did not give them the means and resources available to save their soul or make them the saints here on earth that God has willed them to be. You know, we have to look at that side of the coin as well. The livelihood of one's soul is far greater than the livelihood of the earth. Mm. And I think, uh, father Altman, um, if he's watching, you know, Huge fan, uh, very good content he's produced. Um, but just to play devil's advocate on this, that that's how important we're dealing with. You know, we're not, you know, we're not just armchairing quarterbacking this. We are in the trenches right now in spiritual warfare. You know, the way the attack is on tradition, the way the debauchery and irreverence and sacrilege is taking place in churches around the world. And yet, souls are still finding tradition. Souls are still being fed somehow, some way, with the truth uncompromised of any heresy or erroneous teaching. So to those clergy and religious who are still okay with modernism, 
one may ask yourself, well, if you're okay with modernism, then aren't you guilty of this crime and death should be your sentence? Oof. Because what is it greater, right? What does our Lord say? Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body, but be afraid of those who can kill the body and soul. I mean, Aquinas advocates for uh, the death penalty for heretics, so there you go. <laughs> I mean, I mean, thank you, Father Martin. Right there. King St. Louis the Ninth ripped out your tongue if you're a heretic. Burn it out. I mean, that's, that seems just to me. Uh, before we pass the football back to our host tonight, Ryan, I just have to point out, we are broadcasting live here on the Rundown YouTube channel, but we are simulcasting with our broadcasting partners at the Crusade Channel, crusadechannel.com. You can go to crusadechannel.com slash parrot, sign up. Uh, you can get a free year of the Founders Pass membership and all previous episodes of the Rundown when we get tossed off of YouTube, for example, like tonight when I advocate for the uh, treasonous killing of uh, the just killing of you can find those episodes on crusademax.com sorry ryan go ahead what <clears throat> that's perfectly all right and uh and rumble when i finally get it together put everything back on rumble so, <laughs> right um so hold on a minute let's see uh, we need a transition it was at this moment that he knew he fucked up Language warning. This is a fresh salmon, you see? How yeah. it's breaking, you see? This is uh, this is no good fish, you know. This you should be able to tug back and forth. It shouldn't break like this, you know. A wild salmon contains five to seven percent fat. This contains between 14 and a half and 34% fat, do you understand? And since the toxic is always following the fat, you know, this is the most toxic food you have in the world. This. Something uh, you might want to go uh, vegan for uh, Fridays. <laughs> Ooh, man, Chinese farm-raised fish, not my thing. Yeah, not my thing either. Um, Oh, we usually end up doing, we don't usually do a lot of fish because my oldest son is allergic to fish. And so, I mean, it, it presents certain challenges. But last week, I uh, pulled the, the dictator and uh, made Mike drop the grooming segment. Here it is this week, coming back to you. And we might have some my point is apparently the xxxy chromosomes are insufficient because when we wake up in the morning, we exaggerate whatever feature we want to portray the gender of our choice. Mm. Either the one you're assigned, the one you choose to be, whatever it is. And so now, here, so, so now just to, to tie a bow on this, I say to you, somewhere I read, somewhere I, I think I read that the United States was a land where we have the pursuit of happiness. 
Yes. Suppose no matter my chromosomes, today I feel 80% female, 20% male. I'm going to I'm going to put on makeup. I'm going to do that. Um, tomorrow I might feel 80% male. I'll remove the makeup and I'll wear a muscle shirt. Why do you care? Yeah. What 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 business it is it of yours to require that I fulfill your inability to think of gender on a spectrum. Never seen a family like this. We went from mother and son to father and daughter. That's right, this father and daughter used to be mother and son. 15-year-old Corey Mason, who loves mascara and lip gloss, was actually born a boy. I always wanted to be a girl. I would always, you know, go like this, you know, like this, I was always growing. And this is the woman who gave birth to Corey and four other kids. She never felt comfortable in her female body. I definitely felt like a boy. I definitely felt like I identified with boys, but I didn't realize it was possible that I could actually be one. <laughs> it wasn't until four years ago when the two watched a TV special on transgender teen activist Jazz Jennings that everything sure became clear. I said, wow, I'm just like her, I'm a girl trapped in a boy's body. Corey started taking puberty blockers at age 11 to stop facial hair growth and deepening of the voice. You know what that is? This is the moment Corey received her first dose of female hormones. She's overcome with emotion. <laughs> just seeing her courage and her bravery in the face of so much adversity, just, I think that's ultimately what gave me the courage to come out myself. For mom, the transition began with a short haircut. Oh my God. The 39-year-old then started injecting testosterone. My voice has gotten deeper. Um, I've grown facial hair, even though I shave it now. Earlier this year came the double mastectomy. <laughs> Excited? Yeah. Happy? I felt like I was trapped in a woman's body, and just that mastectomy made me feel free. The transition has proved difficult for Les Mason, who married Erica 10 years ago. It's challenging because I married this beautiful woman, but I'm getting to the opportunity to see someone become who they truly are. It's prom season across the country and Corey won't be left out. The entire family helped pick out a dress. You want it like big and poofy? Oh yes, very. What you think? Definitely. Her little sister Ellen has a prediction. She's gonna be a prom queen, I know it. This is, is who she was meant to be. Definitely, no question about it. And though Corey's mother is now a man, he'll never stop being mom. I love you mom. I love you too. Do I need to be on hormones to get top surgery? The short answer is no. There's a common misconception that all surgeons require hormones for you to get top surgery, but that's not true. Some surgeons do require you to be on hormones, but this actively excludes people who don't wish to be on hormones or don't have access to hormones. People ask me all the time whether or not I take hormones. I do not take hormones, and truthfully, I don't have any interest in taking testosterone because I simply don't want the changes that go along with taking tea. That's why it was extremely important to me to find a surgeon who had worked on non-binary patients before. All I did was research surgeons in my area that took my insurance and then I just called to make sure that they had worked on non-binary patients before and that I didn't have to be on hormones. Remember, gender is so individual, any gender can look like anything. If you want top surgery but you don't want the changes that go along with taking hormones, you don't need to take hormones. You could even get top surgery and then later decide that you want to be on hormones. Never feel pressure 
sure to take hormones if you're not sure because you have your whole life to take them. And a lot of the changes that go along with hormones are permanent. And don't forget, you don't need to do anything to be trans. The only requirement for being trans is feeling trans. So if you- Can I get you a drink, Mr. Powell? Sure. Austin, we've got to look for Dr. Evil. Wait, I've got an idea. <laughs> Austin, why on earth did you hit that woman? Right, let me show you, baby. That ain't no woman. It's a man, man. I am not gay. I have relationships with women. Sex with men. And I got news for you. Okay, I think that's enough. Um, in public talks, when I gave lectures on different things, I alluded to what that time was, the budding LGBT before they grabbed on the Q+, whatever, Disney+, Plus, um, <laughs> that uh, you know they have now. And I predicted how this would hit critical mass. And people didn't believe me. People in my audiences were incredulous. Back in 2016, 2017, when I was uh, I mean, lecturing Reformation stuff and comparing especially in the English Reformation, the government control of information with how the trans movement was shaping up and how that would, that would fall out. And, but even then, I didn't see what was coming. I, I absolutely did not uh, in that way. Even though I predicted a lot of what did come, I didn't see the form it would take. And you know, it, even in 2016, as I'm looking like, dang, they're going to shut down dissension against this. They're going to propound it from the housetops. I still... I don't think even I saw the kind of things we just witnessed in, in the, that little montage of uh, groomer videos. So, Mike, I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, dangerous. That's dangerous. Yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, we'll get banned. I, I will be banned after this, ladies and gentlemen. Catch us in Rumble. Here's Mike, uh, reaction to all this stuff. Um, yeah. The complete disorder, like in Macbeth, fair is foul and foul is fair. Um, we've talked about this stuff before, but here we are again. Um, good Lord. I, I don't even know where to go to, to draft a question. Just, just Let's just do reactions. Uh, like try to let's see if we can go around the horn a couple minutes each. Yeah. Uh, okay, great. Um, it looks to me like things are far worse than any of us could have predicted. It looks to me like things are far worse than even when we started the groomer segment three years ago when this show uh, began. I want to touch a, a little bit on the first video that you played, which was Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's an American physicist, so-called. He went to Harvard University. So called. To, Such a hack. Right. He's a hack. He's a science hack. He went to UT Austin. He went to Columbia for his PhD. Um, he's a, he's a diversity hire. No, no doubt. He's an absolute brain donor, um, uh, is what we would call him in the Marine Corps. As I look at Neil deGrasse Tyson and him saying that, oh, I'm 80% woman to, today, but I might be 80% man tomorrow. And it's none of your business. It's all about how I feel. It is the reduction of reality. This is part of the 700 year war on reality is a reduction of reality to the subjective feelings of man. And that all of us have to live. This is okay. Let me go back. I, I don't want to steal Father Martin's thunder because I know like this is your wheelhouse, Father. When when we were told 
by Descartes to, that we have to mistrust our senses because our, our senses lie to us. Because when you take a stick and you dip it and you submerge it in water, partially submerge it, it appears to be bent. Therefore, your, your eyes are lying to you, right? Um, guy doesn't know anything about refraction of light or anything like that. Guy knows nothing about physical reality. But he says you have to mistrust your senses because your senses lie to you. I think, therefore, I am. The only reality, the only real reality is what exists in our minds. That's the that's the seed of modernism. It's it's empiricism. It's it's um, it's it's whatever it you want to call it. As you as you move forward in time in this in this multi century war on reality, we have become totally and 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 irrever, irrevocably divorced from the idea that reality is something to be experienced by our senses. To, realism is Thomistic. Realism is Augustinian. Realism means that we we do live in physical reality and we can experience reality through our five senses by what we see, feel, taste, hear, sound, all that stuff. That's why we have a sacramental religion. We have a sacramental religion because we are physical creatures. We have a body-soul composite. That's all gone out the window and it's long gone. The only reality that matters to these people, to guys like Neil deGrasse Tyson, the fake, uh, the fake uh, astrophysicist who thinks that he's going to upload his brain to the cloud and therefore achieve eternal life. Got news for you, buddy. When your soul departs from your body, that's called death. There's no, you're not, you're not downloading your soul into the uh, into metaverse. But um, the only reality that matters to these psychopaths is what happens in their own minds, and they think. And here's the everybody now, almost everybody you meet is a narcissist and homo narcissism is the worst because it's violent and it's it's vitriolic it's vengeful it's it's michael voris it's it's cheesedale homo narcissism is the worst type of narcissism but it's all a form of narcissism because it is the idea that you can take the subjective idea in your mind and impose that upon everybody around you and force them to play by the rules that you've invented in your mind which he says can change from day to day uh, by, by a swing of 100%. One day you could be a girl, the next day you can be a boy. This is, this, is a, this is a war on being, on being the principle of identity. Um, and, and until and unless we have politicians and clerics and bishops and leaders and, and, and people who can articulate exactly what this is and the, and, and the, and the solution for it, you know, it's, it's going to continue. I am with you, Ryan. I, I, I echo everything you said. Five years ago, I never could have imagined that it would be this bad now. And the only thing we can do is imagine that it will be 10 times worse five years hence from today. And we have to prepare ourselves for that. This is why the rundown is a clarion call. It cuts through the noise because we've been talking about this for years. This is their religion. This is the final stand. This is Our Lady of Fatima. This is the war on not only on family that she that Our Lady talked about. This is a war on reality. It's a war on being. It's a war on non-contradiction. It's a war on the principle of identity. It's a war on uh, on on every single rule from grammar, which is which is part of reality, uh, you know, to to logic, which is part of reality. It is it is the ultimate rebellion against order is what this is. And that is why they are fighting like tooth and nail to to wage this campaign. And this is a multi-year campaign. It's a multi-generational campaign. It's coming to fruition. We're living through it. It's so exciting to be alive during this time. Uh, but as I look at it, I see a bunch of psychopaths who have taken control of every single organ of society, from pop culture to the media, 
to to Hollyweird, to the universities, to the bishoprics. Okay, and everybody is compromised. So we are living in the end. This is the end. This is this is this is literally the end of of civilization as we know it, when there is no constancy in anything. There's not nothing is constant. There's no rule of anything. There's no rule of law. There's simply the rule of how you subjectively feel that day, which can be ruthlessly uh, enforced by the lethal force of government exclusively uh, owned by the government. And we've seen it with the dyke who arrests people who calls her a dyke. And she is one. You can't say the truth anymore. And now you see it here with, uh, with young people who are maiming their bodies. There is only one solution to this problem. It is not a political solution. There is no political solution to this problem. Ron DeSanctimonious supports this nonsense. Donald J. Trump supports this nonsense on some level. There is no political solution in classical liberalism that is available to us. The only solution is fascism. The only solution is Millstonia. You tie a freaking millstone around every single one of these bastards' necks and you cast them into the sea. And that is an act of mercy in as much as it is an act of justice. Father, your reactions to uh, Millstonia? I just, uh, I, I want to first thank you all for allowing me to be on here um, for this last episode of the rundown on YouTube. It's a great <laughs> honor and privilege. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, Mike, I, I, how can you, how can you even follow that up? I mean, you 100%. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's sad, but yet I'm, I'm, I'm happy because I know that no matter what happens in the world, as long as I live my Catholic faith and just develop a relationship with Christ and live my life that Jesus won't. Oh, I think I just cut out. Am I still here? You're good. You're good. We got you. Okay. Um, <clears throat> as long as I develop my relationship with Jesus Christ and I do everything that Jesus wills me to do, nothing else really matters. Like, yeah, it's terrifying seeing the world and the way it's ending, but yet hopefully maybe by me living my life that I'm supposed to live, maybe I'll be able to save a few souls surrounding me. And that's all I can hope for at the end of the day. I'm not going to be able to save this. I'm not going to be able to fix this problem. Only Jesus Christ can save this. And he has through his passion, death and resurrection. And for me, you know, I just have to remind myself that as a priest, my job is the salvation of souls. And I will be here for any soul that comes to me and truly desires to live a life in accordance with Jesus Christ. Anybody else, I'll pray and I'll pray unceasingly for them, for these poor troubled souls that are given into all these diabolical disorientations. We should pray for them, pray for their conversion, pray that maybe somehow, some way, they will get right. But yet, I mean, yeah, we, I mean, Mike, we need fashion. We need something that is so real and so true that we, we have to say enough is enough. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I think if, you know, if you're lukewarm in your faith, get hot, get zealous and, and become the saint that Jesus Christ wants you to be. And if you are, if you're already there, then go higher ranks, 
you know, work to achieve a higher level of sanctity than what you are right now. Never settle for where you're at. Always strive to be better than the day you were yesterday. Folks, we have a very, very special guest joining us from uh, Saudi Arabia. He's just avoided being thrown off a roof. Was it because uh, I, it was a bad signal? I said the F word and he manifested himself. The other F word. <laughs> hey, I say a lot of F words. <clears throat> the return of the Apache Arab. You heard the F word and you're here. What do you think about the war on reality? Oh, uh, well, the war on reality is, is uh, it's one that's almost at this point lost. Right. We don't we don't have a reality anymore. But it, it, it is heartwarming to me to see so many people waking up to the idea that fascism is the only solution. It's the only way out. It was the only way out 80 years ago. And it's the only way out today. And that's the reality. And the more people and you see this every day, the more people are actually waking up to the lies. They're waking up to, hey, we've been we've been sold a bag of crap. And we bought it wholesale at Costco. Um, you know, it's it's time to wake up. It's time to see what the reality is, and, and, and stop arguing about nonsensical crap when there is real, real, real bad stuff in the world today. And we're not we're not fighting those real bad things. Instead, we're we're you know we're we're talking about whether somebody wore a three piece suit to work. Who cares? Who cares if you wear jeans and, and, and a T-shirt to work, depending on your job? When we've got Disney, when we've got all these other things that are just destroying the world. And that's what we should be uniting around. We should be uniting around the idea that fascism is the solution. We, we skipped Father. Am Martin. I the last holdout against uh, against fascism? Boo! Yeah. I, I guess so. <laughs> like, can we get Father Martin? I want to give Father Martin the, the microphone for a second, just for a moment. Can we do that? Let's do it. The Arab, the Arab usurped because that's what Arabs do. <laughs> that's what I do. Real, real quickly, there was one thing that uh, Tyson guy said that I'm sure we've all heard pretty often is uh, in the, well, he says constitution, right? But it's declaration of independence for the, right, the right to pursue happiness. And then on top of that is like, so what business is it of yours? What makes me happy? Well, actually quite a bit. The purpose of any society is that there's some, some sort of common good, common purpose to which everybody in that society is tending towards. When each individual have its completely different purpose, what reason is there to be a society at all? Therefore, we must we have to ask ourselves, what is the common good? Common means uh, pertaining to each each individual human nature, each the nature of each individual human person, human human being. Of course, the progressives don't believe in nature. Uh, nature being the the print the, the intrinsic principle of motion or rest in a thing, so that which makes us tend towards our end. Um, so that's what's kind of difficult there. But nevertheless, a common purpose is something that they could understand. We all have to agree to try to be something. 
That's why a society exists. And there, and that is the, the source of the authority of those in the hierarchy of that society is to promote that purpose or that good, that common good. Now, in the pursuit of happiness, we have to try to define happiness because if, if happiness is dropping an atomic bomb on New York City, well, obviously, there's going to be restrictions on certain people receiving their happiness because it, it uh, doesn't uh, allow other people, at least this is what the libertarians think, it doesn't allow other people to achieve their their definition of happiness. But nevertheless, happiness, at least according to even to Aristotle, and it's also very Thomistic, it has to pertain to human nature. What does it mean to human nature? Because a, a purpose of a thing is its function. And what is the function of a, of a human being? Well, it has to deal with our unique capacity, which is our reason, our intellect. Our intellect, the purpose of our intellect, to know the truth. And so our happiness is connected to the truth, the truth of reality. And so the truth of reality, therefore, is connected to the common good of society. Now, when each individual person wants to disregard or, you know, decide for themselves whether they're going to they're accept reality or disregard it, all that kind of stuff, you lose a common good, a common purpose of a society, and a society breaks apart, disintegrates, and is destroyed. Therefore, it is my business what people define for themselves to be happiness and what they're trying to achieve, whether or not they accept reality or whether or not they don't. Because it will affect the society in which I am placed in. My society will either flourish because it is achieving the common good of each member of the society, each participating member of the society, or it will diminish. Which is why people like Aristotle would also, also fight saying the first principle of self-rule is self-rule. Meaning, you know, Americans will say, oh, we have, we have uh, you know, we elect our own government, so it's self-rule. Well, that's not exactly what self-rule means. Self-rule means being able to rule yourself. What does that mean? Being able to control your passions. What does that mean? Living virtuously. So unless individuals in a society can live virtuous, they're not capable of self-rule. If they're not capable of self-rule, obviously you'll have, um, you, you'll allow for the availability of some sort of, of dictator. And so what, what, I mean, what am I trying to say is, yes, somebody else's happiness and so, what some, somebody else's uh, acceptance or denial of reality, it really does um, affect me. And it is my business and it is your business. You know, just on that point, and I'm not make, I'm not going to make a pro-fascist argument or anything, because I know Ryan, you want to wait till uh, the Arab dials back in. And I think you two should debate it. But I call into a radio show in Austin, Texas years ago when I lived there right after Obamacare. And they were talking about how, you know, like, well, should we really this was back when I don't know, little Mike or whatever was mayor of your of uh, New York City. And he said, you can't have extra large sodas anymore because we have a diabetes problem. And, you know, the, the kind of like boomer libertarian, whatever, you know, everyone should be free to do their own thing kind of guy on the radio was like, this is so bad. How can the mayor of New York City ban extra large sodas? And I called in and I said, look, in the age of Obamacare, it is my business. It's absolutely my business, whether or not my neighbor is drinking 75 ounces of poison, which I got to pay for because he's going to get diabetes and it's on me to pay for that. You know, I live a I live a pretty good life. I work out, I go running, I stay in good shape, I eat well, you know. But I and my healthcare costs are 0, 0.0, thanks be to God. I'm it's nothing that I've done, but it, uh, health is a gift from God. So let me just say that. But but when you go out of your way to destroy your body because you're addicted to some stupid uh, piece of uh, flesh pot, that is my business. And that and what I was trying to articulate as a young man, which uh, well, younger man, I guess. 
2009, 2010 was there's no such thing as a private sin. That's the, that's the principle that I couldn't put my words to that you just put words to father Martin. There's no such thing as a private sin. It doesn't matter if you're in your, in your bedroom at night, looking at pornography that affects people. It affects you. It affects your personality. It affects women. It affects the people, the pornographers. It affects the internet. It affects all the people involved in the production of that thing. There's no such thing as a private sin. It is my business. I am my brother's keeper. And that is the thing that the libertarians don't understand. When you disaggregate society into individuals, say the individual is the most important person, not the family. When you reduce society to a collection of individuals, that's when you go astray. You get communism from that anyway. So libertarians think that like they're the ultimate uh, opposition to communism. They're just competing strains of communism because communism is reducing society, not from a family but to an individual and each individual has to do the thing that they must. And that's precisely what Marx foresees in the communist manifesto. Marx himself says that society before it reaches the Omega point, which for him is communism has to come to a, a level of what he, he uses the word liberalism. And in the 19th century context of that word liberalism, he's talking economically. He means what we now call libertarianism, not what we now call the democratic party. So, it had to hit that stage of rabid individualism. And that's why there were people who escaped the Soviet Union and they came to this country and they're flabbergasted because they said, wow, we never believed that Marxism could actually work until we came to the United <laughs> States of America. And now because they're seeing the final stages before you get to the, the full on communist state. It ultimately, it's like both. It's like looking at, you know, the, they're here. The cow is sitting there. The, uh, the the meat grinder is over there, and there's two paths. Both lead to the meat grinder, economic liberalism and, and, and communism. They both lead to the same place. And that was Belloc's point in the servile state, which, mm -hmm. I mean, libertarians have tried to sidestep his arguments. And Belloc simply saying, oh, you're going to get back to the servile state. And because you know, the economic liberalism necessitates that you get back to the servile state. And just and on the groomer thing, just communism thing. is your shortcut to get the same place. But even on the groomers issue, libertarians must, if they're intellectually honest, be the first people to defend groomerism. They have to be the ones out there saying, you know what? Be whoever you want to be. You can, you can change your identity. Pornography is okay. Drugs are okay. They're the ones who are, who are, who are there out on the front. Line. If they're honest, they have to be the ones defending groomers. That's, yeah. that's why there's no compatibility between liberalism uh, as defined by uh, the, the strain of it called libertarianism and Catholicism. Just like Dennis Prager on Matt Fradd. And Frad, to his credit, yeah. for all we want to, you know, make fun of Frad for one reason or another, um, he's pushing back against libertarian Dennis Prager, guy I used to respect once upon a time. He used to run a respectable show back in the day. Um, but now he's sitting out there saying, yeah, porn is good. If people want to do this. It's fine. Hey, an AI child porn, he says, is going to be great. And then and, and they can do this and they won't abuse children. It's like, wait a minute. Stop. What the hell are you talking about? A, B. I mean, psychological study that was done back before the, the, the APA, the American Psychological Association, dropped all of its standards and then the new DSMs and all that. Um, they, they said basically that porn leads, you know, it's, it's sort of like this equation. Not everyone who watches porn becomes a rapist. Every rapist watched porn. Every serial killer 
Not every person who watches porn becomes a serial killer. Every serial killer watched porn because it, it gets to a certain point where you have to act out. And if you say, oh, look, here's AI child porn. So no real children are being harmed in its production. And um, hey, the guy here, he's not affecting anybody. You know, if he watches that because no real children got hurt to make it. So why not do that? And that's the libertarian argument. And the liberty, and there is no escape on the libertarian side of it uh, on that because, hey, that's his personal freedom. He's not hurting anybody. Hey, it fits the non-aggression principle. What's the problem? Problem I think also, okay. this guy is committing sin. I mean, part of the in fact he's committing sins, crying out to heaven for vengeance in this thing. Even if it's it's AI, it's not actual children. It's like an AI's vision of this type of thing. He he is completely destroying his person. His sins affect the entire community, and so. But there, but juris in terms of jurisprudence, though, there is a certain balance. There is a certain legitimate principle. Not all sins are crimes, and not all crimes are sins. And in this case, it's like you know when you look at something like as graphic as like AI child porn, you you are at least a certain percentage of those who use it will act out on actual children because it simply will not be enough, no matter what you do. Um, there's other things which you know, uh, that, that are not in nearly at that grade of level, level, which are lesser. Um, and, and should the state be micromanaging, like even, even the thing like, like sodomy, right? Should the state be going into bedrooms, checking marriage licenses to, to, to prosecute adultery, like a scarlet letter type of thing? Should the state be coming in the bedrooms? Oh, well, look, we got two, two uh, bundles of sticks here. Let's, um, you know, let, let's go throw them in jail or execute them. Um, yes. Or, you know, or jurisprudence wise, because even in the Middle Ages, jurisprudence wise, even if it was known, as long as it wasn't publicly flagrant, a lot of times they left it alone. And then when it became a public issue, then they clamp down, then they go after it. Uh, but prior to that, it, it seems like until it crescendos to a point where you, now we have and that's the way jurisprudence runs opposed mm -hmm. to ecclesiastical principles or other things. And I mean, and, that, and that's the kind of the same principle St. Thomas enunciates with regard to. I mean, it's often a misused quote because libertarians especially misuse this particular discussion in Aquinas, where he's not arguing for legalizing prostitution. He simply says that if a situation arises, like in certain port towns, where the, the sailors will be coming after all your daughters, now it, it, it's it's better to tolerate this lesser evil, not approve it. You don't legalize it, but you just simply you know fail to you know you just simply let it go for a little while until it becomes such a notoriable a notorious thing that you have to clamp down and, and then you do with all force, but you know, and that's the problem. And there's a difference in terms of you can't always prosecute all sins, but you can certainly prosecute crimes, but then the, the prudence comes in on the part of the legislature uh, or the legislator. Do I prosecute this crime to this level? Do I prosecute it to that level? And there is a certain gray area there where, where in terms of the common good, maybe we let this slide for this period. And then when it becomes a major hour, now we're going to clamp down on it. And but if it's not, you know, ju just for the sake of public order, we'll let this go. Right. And it's, but, but, you know, we're so far beyond we're so far beyond don't ask, don't tell being a, an operating oh, principle. Yeah, we're, we're at I the mean, point where the legislator has to, to clamp down. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the other problem with the libertarian misuse of this quote from Aquinas. We're at the point where the public authority has to clamp down. And instead, they're not only given free reign to this, they're given free reign to people go and rob your stores. 
and mm. beat people in public as long as they're the right race and uh you know so on and so forth so this I mean, evil, I, yeah this evil has found a back a back door a back way around things oh they love that the back door this evil. Not, that's no pun intended but it's <laughs> it's it's using fantasy to change reality it's using fantasy to change reality first of all they've redefined abuse the real definition of abuse is sin that's the real definition of abuse but our liberal society liberalism from liberalism has redefined abuse to simply mean lacking consent lacking mutual consent so how is it used fantasy to change reality well we're using porn as an example people will say oh because i don't uh i don't go up and rape people i'm not abusing anyone well no but it creates a fantasy in your mind that teaches you something that isn't what true intimacy is but then when that person gets married or somewhere else and they actually have the opportunity to perform that consensual act with someone they replay that which is in their fantasy in reality and because it's become so commonly understood that that fantasy is not an abuse there's nothing about it that's abusive now you've you've uh, used the fantasy to put into people's mind and create the real abuse in reality and so then you have to ask you know what, what are the latest leaders supposed to, to really do about this I'm going kind of back to Dennis Prager's, you know, AI child porn thing. Well, it's exactly what happens. That fantasy has to has to exercise itself in reality. That fantasy has to become real uh, in order for these people to be truly to truly satisfied. Um, and so that's that's kind of the back the back door in is to use fantasy to change reality. Yeah. No, without a doubt. Um, and like all of this is changing reality. Um, and then other things too, in, in terms of the family, you have this strong, and like I mentioned, I think last week or the week prior about the Barbie movie where I'm sitting there watching this thing. And I'm like, maybe I need to rethink my thought of becoming a film critic. Uh, <laughs> this means I have to watch stuff like this <laughs> halfway through where the, any, any notion of it being a satire or taking on serious issues just devolves into this absurd intersectional feminist nonsense. But, you know, even with that, there, there was a, you know, a scene in the earlier part of the movie where um, it's trying to do a replay of basically 2001, which is of course presenting this evolutionary view where this monolith comes down, this black stone of, of alien origin that, projects something event causes all the apes to suddenly think and evolve and do things right and that's the idea behind it so they do this in the barbie movie with the same you know little music and it's this giant career barbie and all these girls who are playing with their dolls and showing that their typical archetypal um relation to motherhood that girls naturally will develop in imitation of their own mothers then they, they see career barbie what do they do they start smashing the baby doll and and then in order to embrace career Barbie, right, with it with the space to the Odyssey 2001. Now, like Ben Shapiro got this totally wrong. A lot of conservatives got this totally wrong, looking at it as an analogy of abortion. That's actually not what's going on there. What's actually going on is, you know, importing this archetypal notion of this feminist, uh, you know, change in what the notion of a woman is. It, it completely transcends any question of what, what like abortion and things like that. It's going toward ultimately the question that matt walsh asks what is a woman and the the barbie movie is trying to answer it 
a career woman, a woman who's empowered, who makes her own decisions and don't need no man. And that's ultimately the kind of the idea that it's going for, even though the movie doesn't even know which story is trying to tell and contradicts itself in so many ways. And so here is a video, which is interesting because it's actually a bit of Chinese propaganda, not, not the least because it showed up on TikTok, but um, you know, but they put it out in, in TikTok in the U S Th this is interesting. Take you, take a look. I swear I can joke I see what's on my mind If I drink, if I smoke I keep up with the guys And you see me holding up my middle finger To the world Like your ribbons and your pearls Cause I'm not just I put my finger in the, in the ring And what do I see? Oh no, I'm gonna, wait so you mean you're not going to do dishes normally and you're not going to clean your own house normally unless you have this thing on? Of course, that's what it's hitting on because the destabilization of marriage and family. Here's another one. Um, I, I don't think there's a, a, any language in here, but it's, it's definitely disturbing. My name is Jubilee. I am 25 and I do have OnlyFans. How long have you been doing that? Just about like two months. What got you into it? I lost my grandpa. He's very close to me. I kind of want to go with his legacy and I kind of want to do it for him. Wait a minute. You want to do OnlyFans to honor your grandfather's legacy? More Was like, he like a corn been, star or something? No, it's kind of like um, I've been wanting to kind of like keep his legacy going. That will be my legacy. I don't know if I just misheard you. You said that you are I don't know shit about fuck. Yeah, can you can you say can it you, again? Can you explain how you're honoring your grandfather's yeah, legacy? He was a minister, what? so he didn't make much money. And that's like a way that I thought would help out. Yeah. You said he passed away. Yeah, he passed away. But so I, help it him was out beyond the grave. I'm just confused. He was. You said he was a minister. Yeah. So he did like weddings, funerals, etc., etc. Let me get this straight. You started an OnlyFans to pay homage to your now deceased grandfather who was a religious man and minister. That doesn't make sense. I think your grandfather, do you think he would approve of the OnlyFans? Um, do you think he would disapprove? I think he would support me, but... That's stupid! Use your common sense! You mentioned uh, that you don't want to bring shame on your family. Do you think it might possibly bring shame on them to do nude stuff? What do you think? I don't think so. If I go deep down into my mom's opinion about it... Oh no! Oh no! She might be open to it. She's a really cool mom, so... Is your dad still in the picture? I've never met my dad. Never met my dad. Oh, makes sense now. Really? Yeah, he's out of the picture. Sorry to hear that. That's okay. I don't really need a dad. I think I could handle myself. Sure. Uh, okay, moving on. You also do content. So we talk about single motherhood, and sometimes people, you know, get upset. And again, we're not talking about you specifically that right. had some issue. Husband left you. Hus husband died, or in my situation, I'm a single dad because my wife died. Um, you know, that's not the kind of thing we're talking about. We're talking about the evil of single motherhood. We're talking about, well, her father was never in the picture. And now she thinks OnlyFans is great and uh, um, destroying herself for the Adelaide for to get adulation and the perversion of other men and, and getting money from it. Is it totally OK? Um, and, and actually, there's there's the two things are connected. The first video. Oh, commitment. I'll have to do stuff that I don't want to do. I'll get praise and adulation for uh, getting naked on camera and uh, get money. I won't. This woman will. <laughs> yeah, I would never get that. <laughs> Even if I was so debased that I did such a thing. But um, this woman thinks she'll get praise and adulation for doing it and money. Um, and and I connect it with why is this Barbie movie a success? Because it was a bait and switch. It's like, oh, fun for the family. It's like the idea we're going to appeal to little girls who grew up playing with these things. And then the movie actually comes out. And what the word of mouth gets around, what it really is, 
And that builds it up even more. Whereas a lot of times you have woke garbage and the movie comes out and the word of mouth gets around, totally kills the sales. That that Barbie movie is still one and two with Oppenheimer. It's still just sitting up there in the charts and nothing's been able to displace it. And people are going to see it multiple times. You know, there's no question that it's a financial success. Why? Because I would argue most people in this culture are like this brain dead girl in the second video. Um, what say you, Mike? Um, I, on the first video, I couldn't help but think of Tolkien when I saw the woman sticking her hand in the ring and then seeing what uh, what that meant. Um, I thought it was an interesting uh, inversion of Tolkien. You know, um, I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm the only one who thought that. <sighs> Let, let's see. Most people would say most conservatard you know sort of commentators would say oh you so you want to be a slave to your corporate boss but not a slave to your family and your husband and your children because that's the definition of a liberated woman i think the issue of single motherhood is is something that we don't talk about enough as a society we certainly bring it up every now and then on the rundown many of you who are listening to the sound of my voice right now have chosen single motherhood some of you have and many of the of the haters of the rundown, uh, in fact, pretty much anyone who has chosen single motherhood, elective abortion, elective single motherhood, elective whatever, um, would hate the rundown. Because those people who could not bear the cross that our Lord has sent you in your vocation, which is your marriage, um, and, uh, and elected to escape that, well, however bad he was, you know, let's say, let's say he's a, he's an absolute scoundrel. The fact that you fled and you chose to deprive your children of a father means something. It means that they're very likely going to end up as a part of the LGBT agenda, the QRS agenda, uh, the OnlyFans um, earners. For those who don't know, OnlyFans, uh, there's some people in the live chat who don't know what it is. It is a pornography site in which, uh, well, you know, uh, the person who has an OnlyFans gets directly paid by people who subscribe to her pornography channel. So that young uh, Oriental woman has a pornography site where she is making and producing pornography, and she is uh, charging for it. Um, and that's it. So... Um, as I as I um, as I surveil, I guess uh, or survey the, uh, the 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 society that we live in right now, what I see is that divorce is the norm, and nuclear families are not. Divorce is subsidized by the state, so single motherhood is state subsidized. In other words, the state that we live in, the USSA, the United States of America, hates families. They actively go out of their way to destroy families. The culture we live in, the society we live in, the laws that we have, hate families and view children as the property of the state. That's a Marxist dream. And to all of the libertarians who say who whisper with hushed tones of reverence the, the names of our founding fathers and their great wisdom. 
We live in a society where the state seeks the active destruction of the nuclear family. And it's not getting any better. Just like we talked about with the groomer segment, uh, the feminist movement, feminism is something that was promoted by Karl Marx. One of the first things that he advocated for was putting women into the workforce, um, seeking parity between men and women, because that freed up the children to become property of the state. Your children are not property of the state. They, they're not, they don't belong to the superintendent of the school system. They don't belong to your mayor, mayor or county health official. They certainly don't belong to Washington, D.C. They belong to you. They are your property until such time as either the father gives the daughter away down the aisle or to the church, uh, or the son becomes of age and he either takes over the family or starts his own family. That's it. That's how a properly ordered society works. And until and unless, and again, there's no political solution for this. We can have things that help, like married filing jointly on our tax returns. That's a pro-family thing that we have in the United States. But others in Europe, especially Eastern Europe, have way far outdone us. Even in formerly communist Russia, Vladimir Putin gives the Putin Award to Russian women upon the birth of their 10th child. And at that point, they, they receive an award from the federal state. They're exempt from federal income tax for all time. I can think of almost no pro-family policy like that. Now, I know Hungary has something like that. Maybe Romania does. I think Poland has something like that, where after a certain number of children, it encourages people to stay together. There, there can be economic ways to encourage the, uh, the unit of the family. But the philosophical principle that nobody talks about, Ram de Sanctimonious doesn't talk about it. Donald J. Trump, three, you know, twice uh, impeached, three times um, indicted. Trump doesn't talk about the fact that the family is the basic building block of society. Where do bishops come from? From a mother and a father. Where do priests come from? From a mother and a father. Where do fathers come from? From a mother and a father. Where do prime ministers and princes and kings come from? from a mother and a father. And until we get that right, we are not going to get back on track. Now, that's also related to the groomer segment, if I can just filibuster for 30 more seconds, because this is why they hate the family. This is why they hate gender roles. This is why they hate everything that we're doing, because they know that a mother and a father are the only valid ways to produce high-functioning children. And the fathers, this show, I think, is watched by more men than any other podcast. I think you look at the other podcasts, or you look at Frad, you look at Marshall, you look at, it's all women who are watching it. It's it's and, and there's a lot of feminism in the traditionalist movement. I'm sorry, it's true. A lot of trad women are crypto-feminists. This is the true third round. We could sit here and talk all day long about communism and about groomers, and, about, and everybody would agree with us. But when you start saying that you will obey your husband because St. Paul commands it and you will be silent in church, you're not getting up there and you're singing uh, in the church choir. You will be silent. That's the 1917 code of canon law. When we start attacking feminism truly at its root, 
that's when you lose the women audience. That's when even the trad women say, I don't know if I like those guys. Those guys are a little too out there for me. So as I look at it, as I look at it, what we need, and I think Becker in the audience identified this about an hour ago, we need to speak to the young men because the young men are getting engaged philosophically and politically. They're starting to look at fascism. They're starting to look at Mussolini. They're starting to look at Franco. They're starting to look at uh, there's problems in our society to which for which there are no political solutions. But until and unless those young men man up and what it means to be a man you know you, you, you've got to you've got to live the principles you've got to embrace sacrifice you've got to embrace suffering but you also have to embrace the weight of leadership and the weight of leadership is tough making decisions for most people is tough uh, re, uh, you know when, when you when you make a decision irrespective of the consequences for example when i supported father james jackson and I said, hey, you know what? Let's let's get some funds together for him. I did that with the full knowledge that there was going to be blowback, that there, that there, there could be consequences, etc. Did I have any idea that, there, that the consequences would be so dire for me, that the price tag for me would be so high, that Gary the Faggot Ferry would come after me? No, I didn't know all of that. But I knew for sure that there would be stakes involved. You make a decision based on the principle irrespective of the consequences that's what it means to be a man and so for all the 20 year olds and 30 year old men who listen to this podcast or listen to the sound of my voice right now hear me when i say this and i think everybody all four of us would agree on this and james who's not here would agree on this until we are ready to become men who are willing to sacrifice and suffer for the truth then um then then we're not going to change anything and that's the most important thing here. Indeed. Fathers, uh, either of you want to jump in? Father Gurky, as a guest, I'll put you in the spot. Amen, Mike. 100% agree. I mean, obviously, you know, being virtuous, right? What is the root of virtue? Virtue is manlyhood. It's being a man. And until, and, and it's for us clergy, you know, I, I, I point the finger at me first. Until I'm willing to sacrifice and, and be an alto Christos. Um, I'm, I'm nothing but a hypocrite. If I'm, if I'm preaching at the pulpit and I'm going and I'm trying to tell everybody, you know, this is how you should live a virtuous life, but I'm not willing to do what I need to do as a priest, then I'm a hypocrite. And I think for us clergy, um, you know, it's difficult in these times because I don't, I'm just speaking for myself. Um, we can get caught up in so many different movements and so many different ideals. Um, we can have the rose colored glasses on our uh, perception of what a priest is and what our ministry and is going to be like. And unfortunately it may not always be like that. Um, I've come to accept that I'm a missionary priest and there's nothing wrong with being a missionary priest because I can go where God needs me to go. I can go where our blessed mother desires me to go. And she has put me in some of the weirdest places possible. And I have met some souls and have hopefully helped some souls that I would never have had the possibility to do if I was a parish priest. So the point being, we need to suffer. We need to be uncomfortable. We need to get out of our 
um, comfort zone. We need to be real with being a man. And yes, that does discerning a priesthood, discerning a religious life, first and foremost, that should be the first thing you do as a man. From the age of seven, eight years old, you should be discerning religious life and the priesthood. It should be taught to you what a priest is, what a religious is. You should be getting that option first and foremost and seeing if that's what God's calling you for. And then if that is, great, then you carry on with it. If not, if you're called to the married life, then you pursue that vocation. But you need to be real and you need to take those difficult paths. And if you're not willing to do that, then all this is for not like all four of us can, you know, talk to the cows come home. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day, and you know, I, I have uh, met Mike in person and father Martin in person. And hopefully one day, God Lord willing, uh, uh, Brian, I'll get over to Idaho. Um, but we need to have these actions. We need to have that call to action, that Congress and call to action that, you know, uh, Mike, church is a part of the crusade network and that we need we we need to be part of that we we can't be afraid to to say you know just sit from the sidelines get involved you know contribute financially if you can or buy stuff from the trading post buy whatever however you can support read the books i mean if the books do you no good if they're just sitting on your shelf collecting dust buy them and read them Use your reason, use your intellect and, and, and get with it because we need we need fighters. We need an army of men willing to go out in the battlefield and fight. If we don't have it, then while well, we're losing right now and you can see what's happening. So fight the good fight. Are we, are we moving on to the next segment or are we this is my last comment? No, land the plane for us, Father Martin, uh, on, on all this. Well, virtue. A couple minutes. Well, virtue. I'm going to talk about virtue here. There's, I mean, there's natural virtue and supernatural virtue. The natural virtues um, or acquired virtues are that which even pagans can live. Prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. Even Aristotle talks about these. But supernatural virtues are these virtues enlightened by faith. So knowing that if something is going to cause us sin, we choose not to do it. Um, and we act, we act accordingly. Now, virtue requires, especially supernatural virtue, requires grace. Um, a lot of supernatural virtue comes from the sacramental grace, but nevertheless, it requires grace, but the source of grace is prayer. Um, but a lot of young guys find prayer to be very boring, or they just cost too much time, too much sacrifice. Listen, if we're talking about people that uh, young men need to be willing to sacrifice, but they have no time to prayer because, well, they have uh, go play video games, or they have to uh, go do something else more fun and entertaining. They enjoy hanging out with friends than, make, than giving up some... Uh, um, casual entertainment time for prayer to talk with our Lord, to, to commune with him, then you're really not a man of sacrifice. And so if we want men of virtue, we have to have men of prayer because prayer is a source of grace. There, end of the plane. Perfect. Yeah, it was quick. <laughs> yeah, it was quick. So it's that time. And now. The moment you've been waiting for. Prepare to be mesmerized. Get on your tinfoil hats. Get out your pies for opinions more unpopular than an alpha male at a gender studies retreat. 
It's the Rundown Zone Unpopular Opinions Segment. We'll go to Mike first because he's got to go. I am so happy to go first, ladies and gentlemen. I have prepared an unpopular opinion. I revealed it on the run or on Paratalk on the Crusade Channel, Live Talk Radio, the way it should be, by the way. Our radio broadcasting partner, who is at Rundown, uh, CrusadeChannel.com slash Parrot or CrusadeChannel.com. What's your what's your URL? I forget your URL. Ryan has a show there. It's every day. It's after mine. I'm at 10 Central Standard Time. CrusadeChannel.com slash Smoke. Slash smoke. smoke. His is easier to spell. Mine has two R's and two T's. All right. Um, I told I'm very close to uh, the unpop. I told you everything that leads up to it. Your government in the United States of America wants you addicted to porn. They want you smoking pot. They want you to. They want your family broken up. They want you on your fourth marriage. They want you in sin. In short, the United States government wants your soul in hell they want your soul forever to burn in hell for all eternity that is the goal of the united states government and that is why it is illegitimate and it must be opposed i just forgot my come back to me it literally just get my mind i had it too Father, do you have an unpopular opinion to share with the listeners? Oh, of course. Um, I alluded to it earlier in the segment and the show. Um, the Navasoto is also the same conclusion as Mike's, but the Navasoto clergy and the Navasoto prelates, the structure of that church is leading your soul to hell. It may not desire your soul to go to hell, but they are leading you away from the truth, the beauty, and the faith that has made great saints. And even if you have to avoid going to the liturgy for some time, if you can't make it to a traditional mat, if you can't make it to the divine liturgy, if you have to suffer in that regard to avoid the liberal heresies that come from modernism that is the post conciliar church avoid it suffer take up that cross and suffer because going to those masses being around those clergy can jeopardize your soul that's all i got all right i kind of have two um but they kind of go together one there is this uh viral video of, of a man red hair red beard uh, playing a really awesome uh, song that he wrote called uh, Rich Men North of Richmond. It's a great catchy tune, very, very political in, in its lyrics and really just uh, is one of those songs that if people 100 years from now, 200 years from now, want to know what things were going on right now in our times, they could just listen to the song, kind of kind of hear everything. Um, so one of first of all, his name was Oliver Anthony. I think he's going to get FBI like this other guy this this past week. He's going to get FBI. He seemed to be wanting to live off grid, but he wrote music and he put it on YouTube and then one went viral so much for being off grid. But also what's kind of funny is that Matt Walsh, Matt Walsh says, Oh, this song went viral, not because it was political, but because it's catchy. It's authentic. It's acoustic as if there's no acoustic singer songwriters out there. He, he's in Nashville. There's nothing but acoustic uh, singer songwriters everywhere. Just, you know, just go to the local bar or pub or restaurant. You'll 
there's at least one aspiring singer songwriter in that restaurant. I guarantee it, guarantee it. Uh, but all of a sudden he's like a music critic now because he lives in Nashville. Like he's, his opinion is valid on it or something. Um, I just thought that was funny, but no, Matt Walsh's opinion on music is not valid. <laughs> My unpopular opinion is that we saw this week the congressional Republicans bringing out, oh, wow, the FBI shared their their memos on radical tr Catholic traditionalism to a number of other field offices to the point where it clearly establishes that the FBI director, Christopher Ray was lying that the FBI had an active program to surveil traditional Catholics um, define that. Of course, they're not going to accept LGBTQ, whatever that they're again, they're homophobes. They're against gay rights, whatever they're against. Uh, basically, you, they believe the Catholic faith, and therefore they're, they're a domestic terror threat that we need to watch. And that this was not just a one memo of one field office. It was really the, the um, you know, policy uh, in the approach that the FBI was taking. So my unpopular opinion in this regard is that this element is also a psyop. To turn people to radicalism, to be radicalized, to... Um, try to produce someone out of this who's going to act out um, or set the stage for radicalizing someone by, you know, coming in and you know, do what the FBI does, which is produce more domestic terrorist uh, events in this country than Al Qaeda ever did or ever is on the record of done. I think they're in the record with zero, maybe one uh, and the FBI, quite a few. So, and, and so don't so my thing is don't feed into it too much. We know where the FBI is under Biden. We know what they're going to do. We also know the Republicans will do zero about it because it's all meant for grandstanding. It's all meant for bringing it to your attention so that you will react. Don't fall for the psyop. Don't fall into it and get you know get, get upset bent out of shape out of it and so that and that that's my unpopular opinion the the fbi field thing we all obviously knew it was bigger and at the same time it, it's another to, it's another limited hangout thing it's meant to make you feel isolated tempt you to act out or set the stage for them grooming someone to to act out don't fall for it so that's that's my unpop there and you know, now that we've gotten through those, it it's that time. It's time to grift. Well, nothing much to grift uh, today. I'm I'm working on a lot of stuff, but I want to make sure that I uh, get it closer to uh, release um, to start grifting it a little bit. But uh, nevertheless, you can support us by going to www.westandmonks.org, um, checking out our website there. And also our YouTube channel. Um, I do upload my sermons mostly for the people at our church here, or my little chapel, um, because the acoustics aren't the greatest. And so crying baby kind of is, is amplified. You know, I call them the choir. Um, I just need to get on tune a little bit in the same key. But um, nevertheless, I do I do post them on on our YouTube simply to uh, to give them a chance to listen to it throughout the week. Because I mean, why not? Um, anything to help, right? So uh, check out our YouTube. Check out our, our website and. Uh, Thanks for your support. So, Father, uh, uh, 
Yeah, tell us more about yourself, where people can support you, whatever you might have going on. Yeah, so um, I'm located in Chicago. Um, you can check us out. Uh, the Old Roman YouTube channel has a plethora of information, uh, podcast series, um, all uh, liturgical reflections, um, just a bunch of stuff. Uh, check out the Old Roman YouTube channel for a plethora of good Catholic um, output. Also, there are the universal webpage we have right now. We, we're having some issues um, with a lot of our websites. So the best one right now is selsley.org. Um, don't ask me to spell it. But if you look up uh, Archbishop Jerome Lloyd um, and you just Google search that, um, Old Roman, uh, it should direct you to selsley.org for the website for uh, locating Old Romans. Um, obviously, uh, Father Martin, part of, uh, well, not our inner circle, but definitely part of the succession and, and all that, um, just for networking to see if there's traditional clergy around you. Um, if you feel ever, um, uh, the one thing I will grift is um, vocations. If you are discerning a vocation, if you may think you have a Franciscan vocation, um, there's only a few of us that I know of that are proper Franciscans and will give you the best Franciscan catechesis and uh, vocation, um, reach out. So either reach out email, uh, YouTube. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Telegram. Um, so and if you have any questions, uh, Mike or, or Mike Church, they have my contact information too. So they can probably get you in touch with me if need be. But um, I'm always available to help anybody with their vocation um and if you're looking for a good wholesome franciscan uh, life i know it's in chicago but you know saint francis was called to rebuild the church god didn't say where and everywhere needs the church to be rebuilt i just happen to be doing my time of service in chicago so um pray for me please pray for all of us um but yeah, would love to have you if you are discerning vocation to uh, for Franciscan life. Um, check us out. So last week I, I had uh, mentioned the life of Saint Leonard of Port Maurice. Uh, really awesome book um, on that particular saint. He was a missionary all over Italy, Franciscan. Um, I just got my copies in and I haven't built the link yet on the website. I was supposed to do that. I was supposed to do that yesterday. It didn't happen. I was supposed to do that today. I got caught up in things. So um, it, uh, it will be up probably within, you know, by today or tomorrow. So check back at least by Monday and, uh, and it will be there. For purchase the paperback is there the hardcover should be in on monday and so then we can start shipping that book out and it's a, it's a really great book highly recommend it um and and we've got a number of other books um on the spiritual life on theology like things like mariology for example counter-reformation theology saint robert bellarmine i am rounding the horn on finishing off uh, St. Robert Bellarmine's uh, On the Church Triumphant, which is basically books two and three following the book on canonizations. We already sell the book on canonization. Um, and the uh, the other two, the other books, one's on, on uh, images and relics, 
and why they can be venerated against the, the early Protestant reform, uh, revolutionaries. And the third book is on the liturgy, namely on the construction, this, the arrangement of churches, on the fact that you can have a liturgy. The fact that the, you know, and, and it's interesting to, like, I've noted this in like the book I did in Bellarmine on the Mass, on uh, the sacraments in general, baptism and confirmation, where whenever Bellarmine starts taking up the arguments of Calvin and Luther or Chemnitz, swing some of these early Protestants, their arguments against the rituals of the church, they, they, they just look so familiar. Oh, what do you know? That's what uh, modernist liturgists were saying in the 60s and 70s and still say today actually about the traditional mass and the traditional sacraments who would have thought almost all the arguments are the same um and, and then bellarmine is extremely cogent arguing against those and so yeah if you need you know bellarmine on the sacraments in general baptism and confirmation that's in stock um on the mass i have uh, that'll eventually be incorporated into the volume on the eucharist once i get it done um i'm not terribly far into that one i need to get further and so just since my wife passed away it's been harder for me to get into a lot of that because I have a whole lot of new responsibilities and duties. And then I get probably at least three or four emails a week. What's happening in San Alfonso's volume three. And I've mentioned before on this show that um, I was working on it when my daughter died in 2019. And then I shelved it for a couple of years, came back to a final say, yeah, I got to get this thing done. Was around in the horn with it. And then, you know, my wife's health issues began shelved again. I was trying to find some people to take it over. I actually had a couple of Latinists that, uh, looked at it and said, "Oh, I don't know that technical terminology. I don't know the 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 that the 18th century vernacular lecture hall Latin is really confusing me. I, I can't do that." So they, you know, kind of you know didn't. So like, darn. Um, I was hoping because you know the only way I'm going to find someone is going to pay top dollar um, that I have to pay top dollar to get uh, the people who do that. And so um, that's. Uh, that that's a that's a trickier bit so the um anyway so eventually we'll get that worked out one way or the other i'll figure out what's happening with those because i need to get those going again um you know one way or the other you know the, the translation projects are hard you know i've got a couple that i've commissioned that are you know moving to pace and uh, should be out by you know in the fall i should think and so I'm really excited for those. One is uh, St. John Fisher's defense of uh, Henry VIII against Martin Luther uh, in the Royal Assertion, uh, which is refuting. Um, sorry, I'm outside. There's a truck running by. But uh, refuting Luther's uh, treatise on the Babylonian captivity is in just fantastic theology from Fisher. Look for that around October, November, I'm guessing. Um, but that's when it should be coming out. And so once I finally get it, I got to send it through my editor and then I got to do the layout and, you know, it takes time. I've got a number of other books coming and, and try to, you know, you get a constant stream of great reprinted books, great new translations, all these great things coming out. Um, and that's really what I'm looking to, to do. And so, you know, we are a traditional press, but I'm not, you know, it's like these books are for all Catholics. So if you're, you're a conservative Novus Ordo, you go to the Novus Ordo. These books are for you, too. They're from the tradition. You need to get those. And, you know, I don't I purposely don't publish books dealing with the current crisis in the church or the, or the current problems, because there's other people who do that and that are better placed to do that, frankly. And I just do recovering stuff from the tradition, recovering, you know, especially lives of the saints are so important for that, that uh, detail. Um, 
you know, lives of Christ, theology, whatever it is, you know, and, and of course the copyright laws favor everything that's pre-Vatican II, so that, that's even better, but um, by necessity. But even without that, that's kind of the stuff I'm going to gravitate to, to, to recoup the tradition with the works that came from the tradition. So that that's that's what I'm about. I don't want to get into the polemics of modern stuff. I don't want to get into the issues. You know, like I, I'm probably never again going to get into the issue. Can the Pope be a heretic? I, I'm so beyond that question. I just don't care. When the church tells me how it is, whether that's under a future Pope, restored in the future, or whatever it is that, that's going to happen, we're good. Otherwise, I just don't care to wade into that issue anymore uh, ever again. And, you know, yeah, if you're a Sedevacantist, you're doing your best to keep the faith. As far as I'm concerned, you're Catholic and you're doing your best. If you're SSPX, you're trying to keep the faith, recoup the faith. If you're FSSP, if you're independent, if you're uh, conservative Novus Ordo, and you're just trying your level-headed best to keep the faith and go to a liturgy, it doesn't offend you. I get it. I, I, I'm, I'm not the guy that I, nobody has, has given me the authority to tell you if you're a real Catholic or not. I you know, it's not anything that I need to be involved in. I'm just here to recoup the tradition. I come in the rundown to Blab. It's a great outlet, um, you know, talk about these issues and do things. And and so and as far as the press, we're just recouping the tradition. So it's www.mediatrixpress.com. Sorry for the very lengthy uh, monologue, but that's what we do. So anyway, that that's uh, what we have for tonight. Um, anyone have anything before we go? I mean, there are issues we didn't get to. Like, I, I thought we'd get to the DJ priest. We didn't get to that. Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot that things we didn't quite get to. Um, if you go to the Old Roman and you check out the Unscripted show, I covered that for about an hour and a half today on our other show with me and Archbishop Jerome. We covered the DJ priest. I'm a, so if you want to hear about that, check out the channel there, Old Roman Unscripted. <laughs> Yeah, because there's a certain defense of that that's going around now. It's like, oh, well, that was something like a, a certain European type of event where they dress as witches and devils to, to ward off the witches and devils. And that's all it was. And and hey, you know, he's playing stuff and we might not like it, but he seems to be a bit of a trend. So I'm not going to judge. It. I'm looking at it like, all right, let's even say all that's true. The, the nature of that type of, of musical beat is meant to appeal to the lower passions. It doesn't elevate the mind. Now, certain types of classical music also will appeal to the passions and not elevate the mind intellectually just because it sounds better than crazy death metal doesn't mean that uh, in and of itself it wasn't profane. Um, you know, and, and the, the character of sacred music is, is not necessarily that it's classical, but rather it fits the qualities that St. Pius, Pius X laid out in uh, Trillus Solicitudine uh, of what, what is befitting of actual you know, music for, for worship, which is a whole different thing. And, and that's, that's kind of where I come down at it with the DJ priest. And it's like, maybe he does think he's doing a great thing for youth. Maybe he thinks he's evangelizing. I, I'm not going to judge a soul. Um, but I just look at it and it's like, and, and yeah, maybe the optics are bad. Maybe that's something that they have traditionally done over there. Fine. But then that style of music itself. I don't know. I've always envisioned hell having that style of music. <laughs> maybe I'm the only one, but <laughs> I actually really just be like Taylor Swift or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. L All right, everyone. Oh, good heavens. <laughs> Uh, that's going to lead me to say commit so many sins against charity. <laughs> not gonna do it. So God bless everyone and uh, take care. I have two shotguns on my home.
They're locked in a safe. There's a metal gun case. We live in an area that's wooded, somewhat secluded. And I said, Jill, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony and fire two blasts outside the house. Black shotgun. Black shotgun. You don't need machine gun. You don't need 30 rounds. Black shotgun. Black double barrel shotgun. You don't need a flamethrower, and you don't need a tank, and you don't need an AR-15 to scare those thugs away, no, and I don't need a grenade launcher, I don't need an F-15, there's just one thing I need to do, and they'll stay away from me. Fire two blasts outside the house, buy a shotgun, buy a shotgun, buy a shotgun, buy a shotgun, baby, you don't need machine you don't need so it's 11 and three quarter inches tall if you're thinking about how this is going to fit into your uh, shrine or maybe even a bedside table. I know sometimes people like to wake up and say good morning to their favorite yes. uh, you know, people and saints and whatnot. Um, it's available in bronze and pewter, and they're both $87.50. We don't, we're not yet set up for two easy payments, despite our... Not uh, yet. We're not quite there. <laughs> but we're, we're hoping to offer that one day, or two easy payments. <laughs> but she's, she's just under 12 inches tall. She's available in those two different... Um, they call them accent finishes. We've got right. statues in the, in the shop here that are um, fully painted. Right. And we'll see some of Color. those later. Yes. But the thing I like about this is this, this wonderful burnished... I want to thank him. For the, and by the way, you know, I'm not... I, I, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Try and jing